Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. I want to start, even before I get into my message this morning, um, there's a line that you just sang that um, just kind of struck a chord in me this morning. It says, the cross has spoken. And that's what we're here this morning. We're here this morning because the cross has spoken. uh, And what has spoken to us that we have an opportunity to be forgiven. Oh, yeah. Is that a delay in the YouTube? Yep. That's great. Um, But we have an opportunity, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we celebrate an invitation to life. Often we limit the work of the cross to a future eternal life. And we forget about the power of the resurrected life that we get invited into now. And oh man, do we need it. Um, Usually the beauty of Easter, any opportunity that God's going to do some mighty things in us, uh, there's an opportunity for sin and other things to come into our life and get us distracted on how good God is and what God can do and what he's here trying to do with us. Um, And I have a question for you. are you happy with how things are going in your life? You don't have to answer that. Sorry, you got new people here, and I just ask a question, and some places they want an answer. I just want you to answer it internally. Are there still effects of sin in our lives and relationships? And if you live with anybody, the answer is yes. Right. Okay. Well, how does that change? What do we do with that? Because there should be something that the cross does for us that should impact us. And I, I think today I want to dive into something that we miss. I think sometimes we're so focused on getting to heaven that we miss the heaven that God wants us to participate in right now. We just think, if I can hold on, if I, if I can grab onto this thing, that later it'll be okay. And I just want to tell you that Jesus didn't die for just later. He died for now. And if we're waiting for later, we miss an opportunity for God to do some miraculous things in our lives right now. So why do you think that is? I'm going to throw a statement out there. Um, and you may have even said it about yourself. And I, I want to challenge you to... Remove that statement from thoughts that you have. Some of us think, as we struggle with things, is that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Which is true. Which is true. But I don't like the first part. Which is just a sinner. Because if we live under that identity, then it will be natural that we do the thing that we just declared that we are. We're just a sinner, you know, every, everything, every argument, every flaw that we have, we go, it's just who I am. And I want to challenge, not with my words, but with the words spoken about Jesus and Jesus speaking himself, that that isn't who you are. And if we can change that, 
then we can change us. But if we sit here and just go, well, you know, I'm just going to struggle and I'm just going to get through and I'm just going to tell you there's more to life than just struggling and just getting through. The cross changes everything because now we have an opportunity to have Christ in us. I'm no longer defined by sin I have been reconciled. The power of sin has been defeated. And no, this is not a message that you can become sinless. This is not a message that if you get everything correctly, you'll be perfect because you won't. That is not this church. We still live in this body. But if we change the way we view who we are with Christ in us, it'll change the way we live every day. Today, we want to talk about that power. But before we do that, and I've been praying in the corner, and my wife told me that I usually sit up front because my singing is not so great. And I sat in a corner that ricocheted right. If y'all heard me in the front, I'm sorry. I just I was trying to pull it down a little bit because I was creating a corner that was just echoing it out. But I was praying over there that God would change uh, our hearts. My heart, because I want more of what Jesus has for me. And so before we get into the word, I just want to pray. And I know we've prayed, but we cannot pray enough. Because the truth is, there's nothing that's going to come out of my mouth that's going to change you without the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that I'm going to say, even the words that are true in the scriptures that I'm going to read to you out loud will do anything for you without the power of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to live the life that you promise, which is a life in abundance. And not selfishly so that we can have more, but so that we can have more of you. Lord, some of us in this room are, are stuck. In sin, we're stuck in these patterns that we feel like we have no power over. And I pray that you would change that reality today. That we would see the power that you've placed inside of us through your Son, through the Holy Spirit. That we would see the opportunity that cross offers us. So Lord, speak through your word today so that we would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the truth. that You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is something that some of you probably, if you grew up in church, you've memorized at some point. Some of you in this room, it is your favorite verse. Can't see her. She loves it. Where's Anna at? Oh, she's hiding right there. Okay. I have a light that's like right behind your head. And we think, yeah, 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 we're a new creation. But what does that mean? Uh, There's a a beautiful illustration um, that I heard someone else use that I'm going to use. Think of it through the lens of a butterfly. How did the butterfly start off? Not a butterfly. It's this fat, ugly worm that ate everything. 
No one who chases butterflies is like, man, I want his little, I want his little brother. Like, I just want that. I mean, some of you are. Okay, some of you are strange and you want the little caterpillar. But like that, you know, we don't think that way. We're like, and if we put the two together and we didn't go through biology class and we had no comprehension about what happened in between, we would never think that these two are connected. We wouldn't look at it that way. We'd just be like, ah. But what happens to the caterpillar is he eats and eats and eats and then he goes into this chrysalis, which the root word of that is Christ. He goes into this shell and he gets transformed into something completely different. And when he comes out of that chrysalis and his wings dry out and expand, he does something that he could never do before. That worm on the ground isn't like, if I can flex, if I can flex hard enough, I'm going to fly with the eagles. But when the butterfly breaks the chrysalis and his wings dry out, he, he doesn't, this, I'm putting thoughts into a butterfly, I know. He doesn't think, man, I want to go back to the ground and back to the leaves and eat. He just flies. And that's what Christ does for us. He makes us into something that we were not before. Before we were, forgive me, a disgusting worm that had no beauty in what we were before and we had no capacity to be anything other than what we were. And then Christ does for us what we didn't have the capacity to do for ourselves. changes us. I mean, he's still the worm because that's where he came from, but he's something completely different now. And that's what Christ is trying to do for us and in us. We're not just a worm with wings. We've been transformed into something completely different. We were once under the reign of sin, but now we can live in freedom through Christ in us. Before Jesus, before the introduction to our life and giving our life over to him and the deposit, the guarantee of the Holy Spirit that he puts in us, we had no capacity. We had no freedom from sin. We could try hard and not do the things that we shouldn't do, but it's still in our strength and power and we fail over and over again. But Christ has done something for us that we couldn't do. He breaks the reign of sin. It doesn't mean, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, it doesn't mean that sin is over for you that, you know, because I think some of us in moments and maybe you even believe this at one point, the day that you're like, I am a child of God and you committed your life to Jesus and got baptized and you thought coming out of that water, like I'm never going to think a lustful thought. I'm never going to get angry again. I'm going to do all the right things. Does anybody still believe that? No. Because we live here in a world that is just begging for us to lose our mind. I mean, drive around. Just drive. Just get in your car. And if you don't think you have sin issues, and maybe you're that person that's just patient, and you'll get behind any slow car and look at the trees and the things and like, oh, God is good. But most people, you will see something come out of people that you would never expect. Ride with people you've never rode with. Let them drive. 
I'm just telling you, okay, this is for free, and I have two daughters. You know, if you're dating somebody, let them drive you around a little bit because you'll see who they really are. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But it's in us, and I, I just want to say that we have now the opportunity for something to be changed because we have become a new creation, but we have to choose to live like that creation. Colossians 1.27, it says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, of his mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope and glory. Christ in us is that. Colossians 2.13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your faith, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us in its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers in authority and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the capacity that we have, and we get a choice to live in the power that he's placed us in. See, we're no longer a slave to sin, but we're a son or a daughter. Romans 6, verse 5 through 11, it says, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we certainly will be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self has been crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That's what we're talking about. We've been united with him so that this body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And let me just tell you, if you're a child of God, you're not a slave any longer. It doesn't mean that you won't or can't live like a slave. It just means you don't have to be. Verse 7, it says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion on him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And here's our encouragement to us. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I'm just telling you, in my opinion, the two greatest words in the New Testament are in and through. That through Christ and in Christ, we have the ability to see transformation happen in us. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, state this situation in this way. It says, every babe in Christ is holy, and yet not altogether so. He is saved from sin, yet not entirely. It remains, though it does not reign. We are reconciled to God through the blood of the cross, and in that moment, the flesh has no more dominion over us. John Calvin also writes in this same vein, it says, For so long as we remain cooped in the prison of our body, 
which is us living right now. So you're cooped in the prison of your body, breathing right now. Traces of sin will dwell in us. But if we faithfully hold fast to the promises given us by God in baptism, they shall not dominate or rule. And you're like, Heath, like this sounds great. I would love for something to change. But I don't know how. Let me just tell you. Um, if, if you're not been at Reach, uh, this is your first Sunday here. This is where we're at right now. We've spent this entire year talking about what it means to live Jesus is greater. Which is this every day. And it means surrendering to something outside of yourself. Our issue and my issue is that we try to fix our own problems all the time. We're like, oh, this is too big or small for God. Usually too small. This is too small for God. When God is saying, hey, just like the verse that we just read, if you've died with him, it's no longer us. We're living with him. Listen to this. In Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Let me say this part in the middle. In the life I now live in the flesh, everybody take a deep, deep breath. Because that's the life you're living right now. For the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Living the resurrected life is deciding to no longer live your way and out of your wisdom. Living in the resurrected life is choosing that he is smarter than you are. And I'll be honest with you, I've been in ministry for 20 years. 20 years. Love Jesus um, since 1994. That's when I got saved. And I still ain't got it figured out. And God has a great way of reminding me, you do it your way, buddy. I'll sit here and watch, and I'll be waiting for you to come back and go, I should have asked for help. I should have, you know, I'm, I'm here, buddy. Like, I feel this is God to us. Because sometimes, and you don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear this, sometimes our greatest measure of growth is when we fail flat on our face. And so sometimes God's like, okay, I love you, and this is going to be beneficial for you. Because you will maybe get to a place that you'll go, you're right, and I'm wrong. Look, it's It's messy. There's nothing clean or easy about Christianity. There's nothing clean or easy about a life surrendered to something that is difficult. But that's the journey. That's the process. That's the life that's worth living. And he, from the beginning, has been telling his people, trust me. Love me. And if you follow me, even in your imperfections, I'll lead you to life. That's what he's saying here. I love this. 
Um, side note, uh, for those, I have a little mentoring group, You're really familiar with most of what I'm saying, this next thing, great book, I'll tell you about it later, not what today's about, um, but there's this Russian Orthodox priest, lived in the 1900s, his name was John Kornstadt, probably pronounced that wrong. But in that day and age, alcoholism was running rampant. Probably still is. <laughs> and all the other priests hid in their little monasteries, in their churches, waiting for the people to come to them. But not this guy. He would go out into the streets and pick up the drunks and carry them home. And he'd whisper this into their ear. This is beneath your dignity. You were meant to house the fullness of God. You were meant to house the fullness of God. Not in a judgment, not in like, oh, you're a horrible person, but like he's looking at them going, children, you were meant to house the fullness of God. This is beneath you. Not sitting here going, oh, you're going to go to hell and you're going to burn. Which those things are destroying us and they're leading us to destruction. But he's speaking life to them. And I think some of us need to hear this morning that you were meant to house the fullness of God. Some of the things that you're struggling with are beneath you. And you know it. But you're trapped in it. And I just encourage you. I think today God wants to do something in people that are willing to say no longer. Why let sin dominate me? Because I have a king that comes and lives in me and gives me the power to live a different life. So go back to my original question, saint or sinner. What are you? And I know it's hard. It's hard when, the, when the, the epistles say that you have now become the righteousness of God because not many people in this room are going, yep, that's right. The, I, don't know, I don't know if you've seen my name tag, but it says the righteousness of Christ. Not many of you wake up in the morning with your stinky breath and lean over to your wife and be like, you're married to the righteousness of God. And if you do, let's talk afterwards. Um, <laughs> probably not working, but that's who we are. You need to be reminding yourself of who you are in Christ because it will help you pivot from this old. I'm telling you, breaking the old way of life is difficult. Do you wonder ever, for those reading in one of your Bible, I know we're through this, but you wonder why it took the people of God 40 years in the desert? I think God's been straining out that Egypt in us to this day because it's hard to move from one life to another. And that whole picture is he's trying to show his faithfulness to his people over and over again. As you're reading in 1 Samuel now and you're seeing God, go, God taking his people into the promised land, he's just saying, hey, trust me. If you trust me and do what I say, I'll lead you to life. I'll lead you to life. 
right understanding of your identity in Christ changes you. So how are you living in light of what Christ has done for you? Don't live like worms with wings. You're a new creation. So one of the ways that we do that is we stay connected to the right life. This could be a whole sermon to itself, but if you go into John 15 and you look at it, here's, here's, here's one, 15, 5, here's, here's one verse. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't just have this life because you want it. At the end of today, in just a few minutes when I pray, you can want it. You can say, God, that's what I want. I want to live as your child. I want to live as someone who houses the fullness of God. But let me just tell you, if you decide that and do nothing, nothing will happen. Because Jesus right here is saying, hey, if you abide in me, connected. And we know, it, it, you know, like not many of us are like, like, I am not a green thumb. I've killed more plants and have them survived. But the truth is, like, if you want an apple, you don't go out there and cut the branch off the apple tree, take it inside and wait for the apple to come. It's got to stay connected to the vine. And let me just tell you, if you want the life that Jesus, is, Jesus promises, you have to be connected and stay connected. And that's the beauty of that conversation is he took people that didn't belong to the vine and connected to them. He connected them. And, and this is the beauty of what the cross does is he's saying he's inviting people into his family that weren't a part of his family, saying, hey, come and experience life. We have to connect to the word of God. And we have to connect to gospel-centered community. This is why it's critical. This is why you hear me say this over and over again. You will not survive or thrive without the word and without other believers around you. We need community. And I recommend, um, I'm a huge proponent of, if you've got an iPhone, I'm sure the other phones do it too, but um, it has this thing called reminders. I have prayer reminders. I have all kinds of things. And here's an encouragement for you. This is this week. Set a reminder. You can go in there and say, remind me every day for the next seven days. And it'll pop up on your phone, whatever you want. I have mine start at like 4.45 in the morning. I have another one that goes off at nine or at 5 a.m. Um, this morning it woke me up at 5, and I was like, what is that? I'm nor- normally awake before 5 on the Monday through Friday. Um, and I encourage you to set a reminder because I don't think you're going to leave here and be like, yes, I am a child of God. But here's what I, I would love for you to walk out of here and set a reminder so you can read this every morning. And for those that are like, I don't do any of that electronic stuff, Post-it note works just fine. Put it on your dash in your car and mirror in your house. It says, I am a child of God who is meant to house the fullness of God. Uh, I'm going to invite our worship team up. I'm going to steal one of these. 
So if you've never taken communion uh, with Reach, we're now, because of COVID, using these little things. They're childproof, so you might want to start now. There's two flaps. The first one, you know, takes the little wafer. Second one gets the juice. Hopefully no one's set on it. They're kind of hidden in your seat. This is the beginning. You could be in this room for whatever reason. We're dragged here by a family or friend or you're traveling and you're here visiting. And you're like, man, I don't know about this Jesus stuff. And I encourage you, you know, not necessarily to jump into something you don't understand, but start journeying. But if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I I just need, I just need Jesus. The beauty of our Savior, on the night that he was betrayed, he took his closest to him up into a room. And he set this, this thing that we do thousands of years later, As a reminder, if you want to know why you're a child and why you have an opportunity to be forgiven, this is it. It's housed in this little plastic cup, a reminder. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. And they, here, here's the beauty of it. They had no clue what was happening. See, we get to understand this in its fullness, meaning we understand that Christ has died for us. And the beauty of this morning as we go back into worship is that we get to experience the life that he promised us by being reminded of how it happened. And the beauty of this is it sets us as a family. So you may not be related to people in this room. You may not know anybody in this room. But the beauty of the Christian community is this is what binds us together. It's not what we bring to the table. If you want to know about forgiveness, this is it. This is how forgiveness is communicated by the Father through the Son. We're unworthy worms. And God lowered himself to show us how much he loves unworthy worms. Because he sees the potential in us. And he sees your pain. I think the beauty of the Gospels is you see Jesus, see pain, and be moved by. And so when we sit, we're sitting here, some of us right now are experiencing a massive amount of pain, trauma that no one knows about. And you think, does God even care? Does God even know? And I just want to remind you, this is how much he cares. He cares enough that he knew that you could not do what is necessary. You couldn't live the life that would grant you worthiness. But he loved you enough to enter to our world And do what we couldn't do. And willingly went to the cross to pay the penalty that is owed by your life and your sin. And what gets us into this family is trusting that he was right and we were wrong. We couldn't get there, but he could get us there. 
And his way of getting us there is the cross. And he died willingly for us. There was no other way for us to enjoy what we enjoy today without this. And I encourage you this morning as we go into worship, as we take communion, is to either establish or reestablish your desperate need for Jesus. This, this is how much he loves you. And he sees and understands your pain enough that he knew that this would be the beginning of your healing. This would be the beginning of you establishing a right pattern. And I just tell you, our community will be transformed not by people that do all the right things. Our community will be transformed by people that are willing to stop living for themselves and live for Jesus in this messy world that we have. And so my challenge to you this morning as we go into worship, as we take communion, is let these be elements of commitment. Elements of reminding, almost a declaration. God, I'm so grateful that you love me, that you went to the ends of this world to show your love for us. And he's continuing to do this. There's a life worth living that starts I'm going to pray. We're going to go into worship. Take communion when you're ready. Um, Jesus, Lord, I thank you for these elements. I thank you for the life that you offered us, the availability for sin to be defeated in our life, the dominion of it to be taken away. And Lord, it's not by our goodness. It's not by our efforts. It's not by our work. It's by your work on the cross. And Lord, I pray as we take communion, this a reminder of your body broken and your blood shed to pay the penalty for our lives that we would live a life worthy of the calling that you've placed on us that we would be people that would say we want to house the fullness of god so lord if this means for those a recommitment to you of declaring, I want more of you. I want to live a life that you've called me to. If this means for those in this room, some of them just to say, Lord, I just want to trust you. I want to surrender to you. Lord, I pray that this would be a beautiful moment that is honored by you as you welcome people into your family. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.